Today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 20. The Resurrection of Christ. Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether, then, it was I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believed. The Resurrection of the Dead But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is the word of God. During my sermon research, I came across the following photo posted by a friend. I had to look up a couple of the abbreviations and think about it. You only live once. Laugh out loud. Just kidding. Be right back. Jesus. Now, there are theologically deeper ways to put it. But it's an honest, if light-hearted reflection on the difference that the events of the first Easter make. The way that they change what we assume about the world and about what is normal. Now today we're going to look at the difference that the events of the resurrection will make. We're reading a letter, Corinthians, to a church with lots of problems in it. And when we get to verse 12 of chapter 15, we stumble upon one of the key reasons why. Some of them at least were saying there's no resurrection. They don't believe they're going to rise from the dead, at least not bodily. And you don't need to be Poirot or Miss Marple to see that how that will shift your focus. There are clues right through the letter that they have a this life is all they have perspective. And what that leads to is an I want it all, I want it all, I want it all, and I want it now perspective, to quote the late, great Freddie Mercury. 
the problems that they're having, the elbows out, the me first, come from this failure to understand a right perspective, a resurrection perspective on life. It's not as if the Corinthians didn't know the answer. If you'd asked them in a quiz what happened on the first Easter Sunday, they'd say straight out, Jesus rose from the dead. But, you see, it's all very well knowing information. It's quite another thing, understanding information. For, for truth to sink in and soak in and change us, as it should do. I mean, they've been told about Jesus' resurrection right from the beginning of when they first heard about him through Paul. If we look down to verses 3 to 8, there's a summary there of everything that Paul said and preached to them. And the resurrection is a key part of it. But it hasn't been absorbed. It's possible to believe that there's, there's something in the future, some kind of life after death, but not really to be that sure and not really to have a belief that makes an impact in the way we live today, in the big decisions we make in life, like choosing the right priorities, spending money, who you marry, whether you marry, holy speech, holy living, all those things are covered in the letter that Paul writes to this church. And all of them are linked to this truth about the resurrection, the difference that knowing that there is this future, this eternal future that Jesus guarantees transforms everything and all the details of our lives now. Now, there are some things in the Christian faith that are less central. Let me give you an example. Things that they're not, they're not of no importance, but they're not of central importance. How many times the cock crowed when Peter denied Jesus? That's my example. If you read the Gospels, you'll find a reporting difference uh, between them, just like you do when journalists from different newspapers report on an event. Actually, it adds strength to their testimony because it shows that they're reporting independently from one another. I'd say, though, that that detail is something that doesn't massively matter. Other things, verse 3, are of first importance. And the resurrection is a key one of them. If you imagine a Jenga tower, the resurrection is part of the foundation of that tower. Take it away, and we all know what happens. Crash! Without the resurrection, you end up with a belief that's incoherent. You can't have it both ways, says Paul. Uh, verse 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if that's the case, verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If there's no resurrection, there's no foundation. And you're trying to build on thin air and wishful thinking. And it's pathetic. Verse 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, verse 20, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of all who have fallen asleep. It changes everything for life, for death and for eternity. Last week I had a, uh, a fairly serious issue with my laptop's uh, operating system, Windows 10. Um, in one of its updates, and once it had been installed, every time I turned it on, instead of taking minutes to boot up and be ready for action, 
It was taking hours. I'm not exaggerating either. Uh, and even once it got going, it was like stirring treacle. I couldn't get anything to run properly. I kept changing things, I kept restarting. At one point I went to bed and let it run overnight. Eventually it got sorted. But most of the time, you see, when we use our computer or our smartphone, uh, we're not conscious of that operating system that's chuntering away in the background. We focus on the programs, the apps, what it does, rightly. But that operating system, that sort of core to it, is essential. It's essential to using any of the programs on it, any of the apps on it. And if there's a problem with it, then everything else will be affected too. So using uh, that analogy, the resurrection is um, the resurrection is the operating system, or part of the operating system, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the foundation, it's the core, it's, it's something that affects everything else. It's not an app, it's not a programme that you kind of add on and, and, and load up if you like it and nah, if you don't like it. It's not something you kind of open for a couple of weeks at Easter um, and then uh, close and then forget all about again or, or maybe you open it in a crisis because goodness, wouldn't it be handy to have resurrection around with coronavirus? It's not like that. It, it, it's, it's part of the, the core, the operating system, the, the foundation, the essential message. It's essential to it. And it changes everything else because of it. I wonder, is it working like that in your life? Is it working like that in my life on a, on a wet Wednesday rather than a, a, a sunny Sunday? How is resurrection working in my life at the moment? Paul's saying, verse 3, it's foundation, it's first importance, it's core, it's key, it's central. It's not the icing on the cake, it is the cake. It's that essential. But run with me a little bit further with this computing analogy. Every now and again, the operating system on a, on a phone or on a computer um, is um, totally updated. And you get a message, something like, you know, uh, don't turn the power off, system update in progress. And when the companies get it right, uh, the new operating system actually uh, is better it makes everything run better. It releases potential that you didn't realise that your computer or your phone had. So too with the resurrection. Many people are running a pre-Easter operating system, if I can put it that way. Not Easter 2020, but Easter, the first Easter. Many people have a worldview. They look at the world, they think about everything, and it doesn't take account of the resurrection of Jesus you see, all of us have that worldview, that way we look at things, how we do life, what we plan for, what we hope for, what we expect, what we expect about the way other people will treat us, the way we will treat them. All of us have that in our minds and hearts and just our lives, the way we operate. Uh, you got yours from your family, from your school, from your upbringing, and uh, of course from the changes you've made over the years in various different ways. All of us have that. And uh, here in, uh, in Corinth, uh, we find uh, two uh, in evidence, and I think that they're very, very common. 
Uh, let me describe them. One's uh, there in verse 32, a bit we didn't read. Let me read it now. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. I want to call that the no rules um, operating system. Now you've got the intellectual version of the French philosophers, and you've got the hedonistic version of the British teenager in Magaluf on a sunny summer day. No rules for life. That's one operating system. The more common one, I think, is the keep the rules way of doing life. Uh, whether that's the religious version that Paul used to uh, operate under uh, before he met the risen Jesus, or whether that's the be moral and be a good citizen model that uh, many of the Greek uh, people that Paul would have spoken to would have operated on because of the Greek philosophers. And I think that that's uh, quite widespread uh, for many of us uh, in our culture. And it's not difficult to make a case for it, that actually if we uh, do the right thing and live the right way, that we will live longer and uh, better lives that will be celebrated uh, after we've gone. And I was going to say that we'll be remembered. But actually, people who live no rules life, who are pretty notorious, also get remembered, don't they? Don't they? Jack the Ripper, Adolf Hitler, Myra Hindley, to name but three. It's not about being remembered. It's not about how much stuff or how much prestige we accumulate in our lives. It's have we got the right way of looking at things, the right worldview for the real world? And not just for the present, but for the future, for eternity. You see, when the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we first hear it, whenever we first hear it, it comes along and it is a totally new worldview with Jesus' resurrection at the centre. It's a new way of seeing life and eternity. So that whatever operating system we currently have when we first hear about Jesus or when we keep hearing about Jesus and we realise, oh, okay, this is how I was brought up, but he's saying something different. He's something, he's someone, and he comes to us, and you can't add him to your existing way of looking at the world. He doesn't fit in your existing way of looking at the world. He's not a programme and an app that you download. He's not an activity for Sunday or a comfort for a crisis. The message about Jesus is a totally new way to see the world, to see everything else. A totally new operating system for your life and for mine. With Jesus at the centre, his death to pay for our wrongdoing, his resurrection to life and power and victory. In Jesus Christ, there is now a totally new type of human being. Uh, verse 20 puts it as the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. The one who has risen from the dead, never to die again. And the hope for you and me, for all who belong to him, is that he shares that life with us. We're linked to him spiritually when we put our faith in him. We belong to him. And he will share with us this new life that flows from him. Because to belong to him, to put our faith in him, is to receive him into our lives as this brand new way of doing everything, this brand new foundation, this new worldview for life. 
And so everything looks different, whether it's money or sex or, or, or priorities or uh, how we uh, relate to other people. He comes in, he's the boss now, and he transforms things. He transforms our perspective, our priorities, uh, and he shares his life with us as his people. Now, realising that the stakes are that high, that he's not just a download that you can pick and choose with, should make us ask questions. And especially if you're a verse 32, eat and drink for tomorrow we die kind of person, you want to say, well, hang on a minute. I'm used to no rules and he's coming in as the boss. Is he going to be good as a boss? Am I going to like it to live under his rules? And my answer to where to start looking to answer that question is to read through one of the Gospels and read about his life and his teaching, see how he is with people, see how, he, uh, how good he is, how ra radical he is, challenging uh, injustice. See how he changes things for the better uh, in all the things around us. He's not repressive. He actually frees people to be the best version of themselves, the version that God designed us to be. And the other thing to do for all of us is to look at the fruits of different worldviews. Whether it's no rules or keep the rules, where does it lead eventually? Where does that trajectory lead after 50, 80, 100 years? Where does it lead after 200? Well, you know the answer. We all know the answer. It leads to death. It's the goal of every single worldview and philosophy. For a few people it leads to fame and not or notoriety. For most of us it leads to obscurity. In 200 years, who's going to hurt of most of us? But there is one different way now because of Jesus. A life with Jesus at the centre, a life belonging to him, Putting our faith in him, receiving him in, is a life marked by his life. A life that bursts forth from the, the grave with power and with victory and with an eternal life with God forever. He shares that with everyone who belongs to him. And so there is now a new way. That means you... Do you see, I, I realise this has been an extended analogy, but do you see why you can't just add Jesus as an extra app in your life? You just can't. It's not who he is. It's, he, he won't. He, he, you can't, just can't do that. He can only be the centre of a new way of doing everything, a new operating system, a new worldview. For everything in your life. It means that we can't say, none of us can say, oh yeah, I tried Jesus when I was younger. Yeah, when I was at school, we had kind of compulsory kind of God stuff at school. No, just like new apps won't work on an old phone. They won't work. So we can't just say, oh yeah, I tried Jesus when I was looking at the world in a totally different way and he didn't fit in with that way. Of course he didn't, because he doesn't come as just a handy person to have around in the background he comes as God as king as as the ruler as the boss as the one giving new life and transforming everything 
And when he does that, he, he does it for the, for, for the best. He makes things better. He, he, he challenges a, a no-rule system because he is the boss who does know it's better than we know ourselves and knows what's right for us. He, he challenges a morality system because actually he's the standard. We're all supposed to uh, be as pure as he is. That's the best for your life and for my life. He challenges religion too because... He says it'll never be enough and then he pays for us and invites us to put our faith in what he has done. So don't even try to add Jesus and make him fit in. Rather go to him in prayer. Invite him in. Invite him to the centre of your life, of your thinking, of everything in your life. To reshape things for the better to bring new life to everything else. We don't need to pay for that connection. We don't need to wait for an engineer to come. The risen Jesus is a prayer away. Just start speaking to him. He's promised, uh, if you seek, you will find. And this new operating system with Jesus at the centre of our lives, Jesus in charge, giving us life, that will change everything. Our priorities during lockdown, our priorities for after lockdown. Uh, money, not as something to hoard, but as something to be used, to be generous with, to glorify God with and bless others with. Um, every conversation we have now and future, uh, when we're actually allowed to talk to people face to face, but every conversation, every interaction, it's all an opportunity to love somebody, to bless and serve somebody in the way that God in Christ has served us. The resurrection of Jesus transforms everything, here and now, and forever, because it changes our perspective. We see that this life is temporary, and even if it lasts a hundred years, it's brief. Eternity is coming, and Jesus, by his resurrection, has opened a door for everyone who puts their faith in him and belongs to him. So let's close with verse 19 and 20. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen.